yo, 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 you, 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 you. Just got out of work. Super stoked. You know, yes. God damn. Long day, a bunch of shit to do. People asking you for stuff. Jesus Christ. Anyway, that ain't what I'm here to talk about. Uh, I would like to address two things that I feel like I forgot to mention on my uh, first hunting story podcast last episode. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk about that uh, the, the conflicting feeling that I had after I shot the pheasant. And this is something I feel all the time, every time I hunt, so I just would feel remiss not to mention it. When you, right when I was walking up to the, you know, the recently dropped bird and after I wrung its neck, I just had like this overwhelming feeling of remorse. And uh, it, it was really, it was really kind of alarming. I was like, oh my God, I feel so guilty about killing this thing. Is that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And uh, that feeling of remorse stayed with me for a little bit, but it kind of, it, it kind of uh, faded away as we started to go on with our hunt. And um, it came back to me when I was uh, right before dressing the animal. And, but it went away just as quickly as soon as the skin was off the animal and it started to turn into food in my eyes. So, and that's a, that's a feeling I still go through to this day. Like, like you know, you get the shot, you get them in 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 uh, in your sight picture, and it's uh, you know, it's you're 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 making the choice to go from animal, living animal, that's just going about its life, to dead animal, all by your choice. And um, the remorse, the remorse, for whatever reason, gets gets uh, amplified by the size of the animal. Like I feel way more remorseful about killing a deer than I do a duck. And I think uh, whatever kind of beauty you attribute to the animal uh, also increases the remorse factor. Like uh, I don't feel as bad about killing a bluegill as I do a smallmouth bass. And uh, yeah, so just like, I, I don't think I'd feel real bad about killing a pig. You know what I mean? Like it's just—it's a weird dynamic, but uh, but that's just how it goes. And uh, I like to talk about that, just to mention that because I always feel a degree of remorse, like whenever I kill any animal, from fish up to deer, and but it goes away when I when I go into that the the, the food preparation process or the butchering process because it just seems very justified to to, you know, live like a normal person is supposed to live, like humans were evolved to live, I guess. And uh, the other thing I, th- I, wanted, I forgot to talk about was on, on the end of our day on that first pheasant hunt, we were uh, driving out, driving home, and on our way out on this backcountry road, there was <laughs> a, a giant, for our standards, it was like a 120-inch inch buck, I bet, standing in some guy's driveway. And it was just a perfectly symmetrical eight-point rack. And we both just, I was driving, and I slammed on the brakes. I was like, dude, would that be a, a, a good first deer to kill? He's like, he looks at me, he's like, dude, if you kill that for your first deer, that would be incredible and almost unfair. And we just... Uh, I was just looking at that deer. I never had seen a buck before in my life. So, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, all the stars aligned. I'd never seen a buck before in my life. So I was like, holy crap, I've never seen one. 
let alone. And so I just thought that was the average size. If you know anything about New York Bucks, uh, 120 is a, is definitely a trophy buck in New York. Not not our Bucks are not the biggest, but they're just as fun to hunt nonetheless. So I mentioned in the ver- in the other podcast that I wanted to have my first two hunting experiences, and so. After that first hunting experience, it was a, a good time, but I wasn't totally sure if I, I uh, you know, how hard I'd fall for it. I, I definitely had fun. I definitely wanted to do it again. So in my mind, I, I wanted to give myself a wide breadth of experience. So I was down to go on whatever hunt was available, and I wanted to give myself, I wanted to do at least 10 hunts before I, you know, made any any deep judgments on the matter, you know, they get a good... Uh, a varied perspective, get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, see how the conditions affect it, all, all those kind of things. I just wanted to get some uh, some time under my belt before I went making any decisions. So so I, the second hunt I went on was a duck hunt. And if you know anything about duck hunting, it's rather gear intensive. Uh, yeah, like, you don't need all of these things, but they sure do help. Uh, decoys, waders, a good shotgun, you need a special kind of shells, you need the calls, all those kind of things make it a little bit, uh, make it a little bit, uh, gear intensive. So, I didn't have any waders. Uh, our plan was to go down the river, set up on this place, and put out some decoys, and then sit there and hunt ducks. I didn't know, and I just was going along for the ride. I knew nothing about it. I had never been down the river past the fall. So, and this was, you know, this was, let's see, this was already, what would this have been? This would have been November, middle November, because it was, it was before deer season. So I, so what they did was, uh, the guy we went with had an old pair of waders but the waders were cut off at the legs. So they're like ghetto hip <laughs> ghetto hip waders. They were just cut off at the legs and you just put them up on your pants legs, on your pants legs, whatever. So we were going to this guy's John boat and I remember we were we had his dog with us and we were going down the river and uh, a duck flew overhead and I don't remember shooting at it. I don't think I did shoot at it. Uh, the guy shot at it. This old Dave again. Old Dave shot at it and dropped it. But he dropped it. Over, it was flying overhead. He dropped it and it fell in the Japanese knotweeds line in the river. And um, we let the dog out. But we searched around for probably half an hour. But we never did find it. So that was a little disappointing. But we got back in the boat. And we continued on our way. And so we, you know, we we made it down the river to the spot we were going in, but the access to the spot is like through this little creek, and then you go around the back of this island, and the river was kind of shallow. And we got out, and we're pushing the boat along. This guy's an elderly fellow, so you know we're there to do most of the work. So we get out and we're pushing it, and that's about the time when I realized that my boots, my quote-unquote hip waders have a big hole around the boot so my my legs are getting both of them had this so my legs are getting filled with water but 
Uh, I ain't no bitch, and I ain't about to start complaining and make everyone end this shit because of me. So I just toughed it out. And it's not too bad in the beginning. It just sucks after a while, after you've been sitting for a long time with your feet wet in a colder day. It, I don't remember the temperature, honestly, of the day. I just remember I just remember going out. I know it was in the daytime, if that tells you anything. I don't think we got a particularly early start either. So so we, we get to the spot, we're gonna set up our decoys, and it's on the point of this island, and it's overlooking like a little stretch of rapids uh, next to a flat, calm spot, like an eddy. And we set up some mallard decoys out there, maybe some wood duck decoys too, I don't know, I don't even know, I didn't know the difference at the time. So, I just, I just do whatever I'm told, and uh, that's it. So we make a little, you know, an impromptu blind, and we set the decoys out, and we make a blind, we sit, and uh, they gave me a face mask, they just told me, you know, and that's when we just started chilling, man, like, I thought we had to be super quiet and everything, but... Dave and Austin, they taught me, they showed me like, or they told me like, no, you don't have to be quiet. It's just like, don't move around a crazy amount, but you know, the deer, they're going to see you so much and not really going to hear you or smell you, the ducks will. So we just were sitting there talking, goofing around, talking about whatever, just stuff you talk about in a duck blind, I guess. Um, the bull got passed around. I hit the bull and, uh, I remember just, uh, you know, after, I, I, I've never been one to smoke a whole bunch of pot, but kind of just makes me quiet and introspective, which isn't a bad thing at all. But uh, I uh, remember just sitting at the blind and after we all had just smoked a little quiet, like we all just kind of stopped talking for a minute. And I just remember like looking at the river and, and uh, there was a bunch of trees washed up on the island across from us. And it just looked so wild to me. And it was just so amazing to just like, all I was just hearing was the water rushing from the rapids, the, I, the birds flying overhead, not, not just the ducks who were hunting, but all the other animals too. And just to see like this tangle of, of stuff that was washed up on, on the other bank and I just felt like I had been transported back to an ancient time. Like, I just remember thinking like, man, this is a scene that has probably been seen by, by the original peoples, like before civilizations and stuff, right? This has been like a common occurrence and common sight. And the beauty just overwhelmed me. Like, I just felt like a Native American transported back in time. And it just seemed so wild. And it was just gorgeous. And then, like, someone ended up saying something and broke the, uh, the, the trip I was going on right there. And I was like, <laughs> I think I even said, like, oh, my God, I was just getting deep in my head right there. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that was, like, a, a really good first experience, even with my cold legs and, and all that. We didn't end up shooting. I don't think we ended up shooting any ducks. I know I didn't. Um, I don't even think we really had any decoy in her. They must, some must have flown high over, but... Yeah, we didn't get the duck we put down, but I just remember that experience. Like, that was a, a win for me. That was almost just as fun. I'd always been a nature lover, but this was, like, on a whole new level. Like, 
I'm always just I was always just one to like take in beautiful sights, like go to places and just look at it. But this was such a different experience because you went from being a looker to a participant and it took you it takes you to places that you would not normally go. Like just like those places on the river in uh in times of non recreational like like those kind of passive recreational times where like you're just going kayaking to look at stuff, right? You're not gonna go in the winter, you're not gonna go in the fall and it's a completely different you might go in the fall, but you're not gonna go in the winter and early like those other times when people aren't there. And you're gonna see a whole different suite of animals. You're gonna see that you're gonna be able to see up the hillside because all the leaves are off the trees. You're, the, the the sky is different. The clouds are different. The birds flying through are different. Uh, the water clarity is different. Everything has changed. And not to mention that the river course is constantly changing. I mean, same thing with the woods though. Like, you know, if you're just a camper or hiker, I mean, for the most part, you're gonna go when when the weather is a lot more mild and easy to deal with. But hunting takes place in, in the adverse conditions and it takes you, and so it just is a driver to get you places that you wouldn't normally be off the trail, you know? Hiking and camping and backpacking, those are, those are trail-based activities. I mean, you can go off trail and, and do that kind of thing, but that's, that is not definitely the norm and you have to go well out of your way to seek those kind of experiences whereas with hunting that's pretty much the norm you're, you're you're where the animals are not where the not where it's easy to be i guess would be the the thesis of it and it's just it has driven me to have so many more experiences with like the with with the wild the wild that is around us i mean i wouldn't in no way consider where i live to be a Oh, uh, quote unquote. Oh my God! I'm looking at seven does in a line, walking through these these woods. <laughs> I've never seen them there before. Anyway, I would in no way consider our area to be a wilderness area, but it but in a way it is because the wilderness is just pocketed. It's it it has it has learned to coexist with us in our area. Like this is an area that's been settled for a long time, but. No, we live in. I live in a game-rich environment. Like, there's a ton, a ton of stuff to do. So much so that I don't have time to do everything that that interests me. And so, in a way, it is in a wilderness area. The wilderness and and our lives have have uh, have commingled, and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And and uh, I, I just am so glad that I started hunting and. I kind of want to share it with others. I I am taking a bunch of my friends out hunting and fishing, and just because I remember what it was like to to try and start it, and that's kind of it was difficult, and you had to really really want to do it and go out of your way to figure it out and get people to show you that stuff. But uh, hopefully, with this podcast, I mean, you know, you can just find the inspiration to figure it out on your own. Like, I think that's the hardest part, just uh, figuring out that you you can go do all those things. And I think it's even applicable to other things in life. Anything you have an interest in, man, like, just go out and figure it out. Nowadays, there's really not much of an excuse with the, the availability of all the information to us. But, yeah, so that's, uh, that's my rant. That's my uh, love of the whole thing. And more than anything, what it is is a love of nature. That's it. And it's, uh, people get kind of 
uh, turned around by that by that logic. Uh, well, you love nature so much. Why do you? Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna kill uh, things? The beautiful animals. And I regard the animals as so beautiful. But <laughs> the more time you spend in nature, the more you realize what it is. It's not so. People tend to look at it from the outside as a individualistic kind of way, but the more time you spend in nature, you realize it as a, a giant interconnected system that, that doesn't give a fuck about anything in, in individual terms. It's all about the, the community, the, the, the community in an ecological sense, whereas like the population and, and how they affect each other, you know? And one day, I hope, you know, we're gonna die and we'll just feed right back into that system. So that's kind of that's the, the the new perspective you get on nature and living. I uh, I really attribute to my to my my love and learn of hunting. So hunting, and I consider fishing that. I just fishing is a is a hunting light. You know, like if you don't want the full the full bush, you get the bush light because you know you got that catch and release aspect. It's not it's more leisurely. The, the stakes aren't as high, as high. It's not always as physically intensive. So, all right, that's my rant. Uh, thank you for listening. Love you. Go out and do it. Make it happen, baby. Bye.